Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, post-Super Bowl questions edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to talk all things with the one, the only, Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, got a little bit of a looser episode. You know, we do have like seven months until more meaningful football <laughs> is going to be played after all. But I want to take some time before we get too deep into the weeds of free agency just to go around the league, talk about some players, talk about some spots and more than anything. Talk about what I guess are some of our biggest wishes for the upcoming offseason months. So before we get into that, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. This is, you know, this is our, you know. We have multiple favorite times of the year, but anytime we get to switch and shift gears and so now we're doing something different, obviously, like I think our brains just gravitate towards, okay, it's something different. We're not doing the same thing we were just doing, you know, even though every week's its own thing, we love that. But now getting to the off season, like all those questions that pop up in your head during the season that, you know, you don't have time to go chase down. You're like, and I keep like a log of them. Like, I'm like, okay, I wonder if this matters. I wonder if this matters. Well, now, like you actually have the time to go chase those things down and take a step back. And yeah, like the wish list stuff is always fun because, you know, we talked about it through the whole season. Like here are the weaknesses of these teams, the strengths of these teams. And well, now they can actually do something about it. So it's a, uh, it's a good time. Our usual third host, Chris Allen, doing some great stuff down in Vegas over at the FGSA Awards. You know, taking home some of the uh, nice honor and hardware that we got over here at Fantasy Life. So very thankful for that. But yeah, we'll hear from Chris here in just a couple more weeks. So Dwayne, let's go ahead and get into our wish list here. By the way, can't go any further without just saying real quick. New NCAA football being released this summer, baby. I am so pumped, Dwayne. That is my favorite video game ever. Yes, I'm sure they're going to ruin it and make it too much like Madden, but I'll get mad about that when it happens. In the meantime, just, you know, getting so, so excited about leading UTEP to like a national championship and then bouncing. Getting ready to take like a month off. Oh, yeah. I was honestly thinking, we, we have a vacation tracker at Fantasy Life, and I was thinking about it as a joke, just like in the middle of June, just being like this whole month, and then reason NCAA football coming out. That's it. So I don't know. Make- maybe, maybe. Uh, so I, I think I'll have to get it too. And then, you oh, know, yeah. maybe we'll just, uh, we'll just broadcast some matches on some on- online uh, games. Bro, uh, Thor, shout out Thor, uh, Fantasy Pro's Finest. He actually wants to start a 100-person dynasty like online around the entire globe and stuff. I could not be uh, more excited about that. But we'll get uh, you know, get in those streets as well, Dwayne. I know you've been, you've been playing a hell of a lot more Madden than I have over the years, so that could uh, actually end up getting a bit closer. I haven't played in a long time, though. Like I, okay. I haven't really touched Madden in three or four years. Ooh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, get up, get back up to speed. You know, we'll, we'll see if I'm truly old. And the way we'll know is if I'm like yelling, oh, there's too many buttons. You know, I can't keep up with it. But Madden changed a lot of like, I got all the quick audible stuff down. Oh, yeah. For a while, they would let you go in and there was a setting where you could put it back to the old way. Because like, I would just have it memorized. I'm like, just boom, 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 hitting everything in the line of scrimmage. And once they made it where I couldn't go back and use the old way, that was the year the game lost me. Because I was like, oh, my God, I've got to literally relearn like all of this muscle memory stuff. So. Uh, but now it wouldn't be as bad because I've already forgotten it all anyway. Like it would be all fresh. I still fire up the old uh, Xbox 360 with NCA 14 when I'm trying to chill at the end of a hard uh, work day. This thing, I cannot believe is still alive, Dwayne. I kid you not. Like when I started up, like the I had to rip off the front cover because it was jamming up like the actual disc thing. It takes like two or three minutes of finagling with this thing to actually get it to start. We're talking like old school N64 blowing into the cartridge, like level of uh, madness going on there. But okay. Sorry, everyone. Again, huge moment in my life today, getting that release date. Now, for real, we're going to start with some of our biggest offseason wishes. So, Dwayne, let's go ahead and start with you and really just start with the only quarterback that yeah. truly matters on the open market right now. 
Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is the big one. I think like if you're ranking all these, like it has to go to the very top because it could be good for Kirk Cousins or at least neutral for him. And then wherever he lands, he's probably helping multiple players. So if we're thinking about it from like a magnitude of impact standpoint, I think Kirk Cousins is definitely the hugest. Um, obviously, I mean, I would love to see him stay in Minnesota because if he leaves, what does that do to Justin Jefferson? You know, right now in my first top 150, I put Justin Jefferson behind Tyreek Hill and CeeDee Lamb. I've got CeeDee Lamb as my uh, second player overall behind CMC. Then I've got Tyreek Hill. Then I've got Justin Jefferson. Well, I would have Justin Jefferson as the number two player if I knew Kirk Cousins was going to be with the Vikings. But because he's because that's a potential issue, I feel like, well, if you're drafting right now, you got to take CeeDee Lamb. you got to take Tyreek, take Tyreek Hill, and then you could take Justin Jefferson. But for Kirk Cousins, man, like what if he landed with the Falcons? We've got Zach Robinson there now as OC coming from that Sean McVay tree. You got Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson. You know, Zach Robinson's already been singing the praises of like Bijan and how excited he is, you know, and how he just basically gets giddy when he thinks about how all the ways that he can use him. So, man, if you put Kirk Cousins there, like that's the missing ingredient, right? They don't have the quarterback situation. I would say the runner up for me, be interested in like your thoughts here mm -hmm. on who the next team would be in, but like the two for me would probably be the Steelers. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, like when I talk about Kenny Pickett and everybody's like, well, who cares? The Steelers suck. We're not thinking about that. I'm like, well, if they had Kirk Cousins, I think Deontay Johnson would go out and have a season. I think then obviously George Pickens could have a season, but we still have Arthur Smith. So it's like, uh, you know, so you, you still kind of worry about Arthur Smith, but obviously there's weapons for the Steelers. And then I would say like third, I know these guys aren't necessarily young, but if you had Devontae Adams, if he, if he doesn't leave, you know, I know there's rumors of a trade yeah. potentially to the Jets, but you have Devontae Adams there, and then Jacoby Myers got off to a really hot start last year, and he was pretty good, you know, multiple years in New England, minus, you know, not scoring touchdowns early on in his career. And then you look at an up-and-coming tight end like Michael Mayer, like that could be interesting too. So Kirk Cousins, I think, is the absolute, like the number one domino just because he's going to impact so many different players if a move happens. Those do seem to be the three, you know, Justin Fields, uh, Trey candidate teams as well. Like we actually have some weapons. We're not talking about a complete rebuild like the Patriots or even like, you know, the commanders or something like that, who are more likely than not going to be taking their quarterback at the top of the draft. I think the Raiders make a ton of sense. And also, Dwayne, not trying to read too much into the tea leaves, but I believe it was Brandon Ayuk's girlfriend that was suggesting they could be on their way to Vegas. So, yes, he's very much still under contract. No, the 49ers should not do anything to uh, make him leave Town, but apparently people still do want to go play in Vegas. Hey, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, as you said, Michael Mayer on the come up with no Austin Hooper around anymore. Nice little late round fantasy pick there. You mentioned the Steelers. I mean, hey, I've talked about these ratings and no guys, no, none of these all encompassing, whether you're PFF, ESPN, passer rating, none of these stats are perfect, but sometimes they can be directionally correct and we can use them as a group to try to find cool stuff out. And just with ESPN's new advanced receiver ratings, Top seven wide receivers last season, Dwayne. George Pickens and Deontay Johnson were two of them. So, no, I don't agree with that. I do not think either of them were a top seven wide receiver in the NFL last year. But, again, if we actually had to go through and start compiling these stats, I think you can probably find two top 30 guys, especially if you give Deontay a little bit more benefit of doubt from the past. I hear you on the Arthur Smith variable, but Falcons as well, man. Drake London, Cal Pitts, Bijan. We got weapons everywhere. Honestly, Kirk Cousins. Kurt, where would you put – where would you put – Drake London oh, in your man. wide receiver ranks if you have Kirk Cousins and you already know that we like the offensive coordinator. Definitely. He's, he's a wide receiver forward. too for sure. Definitely. I, he's I it's just a matter of where. Like I, I think I would I would probably based on like, you know, he's he's been a really good target earner. He was good in college, he's been good in the pros. So like 
I would probably have a hard time like not having him in my top 18. And there's a chance like I could end up like getting so excited about him that I push him closer and closer to like my top 12. Like I could totally see myself saying, you know, I'll take Drake London over Rasheed Rice. And we talked about Rasheed Rice. We like him. We yeah. know there's some knocks with the ADOT and stuff like, and we can talk about him later like if we want, but like I would prop, that's probably like the range where I think you could make an argument all the way up to there. And most people right now have Rasheed Rice just like across the industry, somewhere between like wide receiver 12 and 15. So I think like that's the ceiling. You could talk, you could argue he should go ahead of Rasheed Rice. But I think like when I look at the floor, like I don't think I could take him after guys and not that these guys are bad, but I don't think I would take him after guys like Mike Evans. So I'd probably like sandwich him somewhere in between there, mid-range wide receiver two to high-end wide receiver two. I mean, depend if they get Kirk Cousins, man, like we're going to feel a hell of a lot better about that situation than probably what Marvin Harrison Jr. is walking into if he ends up oh, yeah. on the Patriots. Cardinals, Kyler, different story there. But even DJ Moore, like, okay, Caleb Williams as a rookie, I know, generational, but I could definitely see Drake London being around that wide receiver one borderline with a healthy Kirk Cousins. Now, you do have to ask yourself, Kirk, who will be, you know, 36 here in August, what version are we going to be getting? Last five years, consistently been a top 10 quarterback, just in terms of EPA per dropback, 7th, 10th, 10th, dropped to 19th and 22, but was actually playing his best ball arguably ever last year and was the sixth ranked quarterback in EPA per dropback on the season. So again, I don't want to just assume that these late 30s, you know, Cousins and Rodgers, who what you think he's in his 40s now i don't want to assume these guys can come back from an achilles injury and just be instantly the same guy but god forbid we do get that same Kirk cousins Dwayne, going to be something special forever he ends up signing with so i tend to th- i tend to think in these situations that again the best scenario is probably just sitting tight in minnesota where again we do have justin jefferson and jordan addison but yeah, that I is that. that is again just by far the biggest piece because all due respect to Baker Mayfield, things we've been hearing and we were talking before the show, probably, you know, worst case getting franchise tagged by the Buccaneers. It sounds like he's going to be staying in Tampa. After that, man, it kind of drops off fast. Yeah, you got some ex-Pro Bowl QBs, Tyler Huntley and Gardner Minshew. But then, you know, Jacoby Brissett, Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, Jameis Winston. Like, Ryan Tannehill after Baker and Kirk Cousins is probably the second best answer. I don't think Steelers fans uh, would be too happy about uh, Ryan Tannehill, Dwayne. Arthur Smith, maybe. Steelers fans, uh, not so much. No, no. Uh, you know, if you don't get Kirk Cousins, like you're hoping you're moving up to get someone in the draft. I yeah. think that's what, you know, and obviously I think people would take the draft first or you're making a trade, you know, for Justin Fields. And I think Fields, like we could slot him into the same kind of conversation. Like I would, I think Cousins is the higher one because we've seen him support multiple high end fantasy weapons in the passing game before. Yeah. Whereas with Justin Fields, can he do it beyond one player? What you worry about with Fields is they turn wherever he goes, it turns into more of a run balance offense. Then his scrambles turn it into a run heavy offense. And it's suddenly like, okay, outside of say a DJ Moore, what else can Justin Fields support? And I think that's going to be, that would be a real struggle. So if Fields landed with the Falcons, it would be an upgrade from where they are now. But then I would still wonder like, okay, can Drake London and Kyle Pitts truly both they can be, they're going to be better, but can they thrive? Like in a way where, oh my God, we got to have them on our fantasy team. I think that would become a bigger question with Fields versus what we think we would get with Cousins. Last thing regarding Cousins and the Vikings, you know, take these uh, DraftKings, you know, betting odds for the just overall NFL draft for the grain of salt. It is only February after all. These things are going to change a lot between now and obviously the end of April. But 
when things started out, Dwayne, the favorite to go to the Vikings with the 11th pick in the first round was actually Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy, who, my goodness, man, I cannot go a day scrolling Twitter without seeing just wild opinions going one way or another on this dude from, you know, just these old internet draft scouts and then also apparently, you know, reported NFL people in the know alike. So I will say, Dwayne, like, again, we need to watch a bunch of film on these guys ourselves. I'm not asking you for an opinion on J.J. McCarthy at this point in time, but I know when Jim Harbaugh initially did take that Chargers job, one of the things that you pointed out was that even when he coached at Stanford with Andrew freaking Luck as his quarterback, it was still a run-first offense. So the common kind of narrative I see against J.J. is like, look at this team that they relied on Blake Corum so much. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. he only threw the ball nine times against Penn State or whatever it was. Like, how could he be a good quarterback if his coach didn't trust him to pass the football? I mean, Harbaugh really hasn't trusted anyone. He didn't trust Andrew freaking Luck. So I kind of feel like that narrative, at least, Dwayne, probably shouldn't be impacting McCarthy as much as others have already kind of been trying to do so. I agree. I think you got to you got to throw that part of your narrative honestly out the window because he was a run heavy team to your point with Andrew freaking Luck. I think <laughs> that alone and just the fact that he's been a run heavy coach every year. So whether he's had a good quarterback or a bad one, he's been run heavy. Um, you know, now we could compare like what did it look like for him with, you know, McCarthy versus Andrew Luck, but even then like there's so many other variables. You and I talk about this stuff offline all the time Ian, how hard it is to tease some of these things apart, you know, and, and truly say, "Oh, this is an apples to apples comparison." So I, I would just lean towards, yeah, if you're going to use that as a crutch, it's not a really good argument, uh, just given Harbaugh's history. And I say that as someone who hates J.J. McCarthy with a passion because he's beat my favorite freaking well, He's team. definitely he's shooting up. Years like, in a row, Dwayne. <sighs> he went from being a guy that we thought would maybe be a second-round pick to now people are saying he's going to be a mid-first. But here's what I want to say to everyone. Remember, we do this as a community every freaking offseason at quarterback, and everybody uses the same crutch. Well, quarterback's the most important position. Someone's going to take one. Well, two years ago, nobody took one. Everybody said Malik Willis was going in round one. He didn't even go in round two, right? So, I mean, and then even last year, like we had the argument around players that fell down the board. So I won't be surprised at all. I have not had a chance to analyze McCarthy to your point. I haven't watched him, haven't studied all of his data. We're trying to get, we're, we're working on free agency first. So we'll get there. But like anytime I see a guy rising this quickly and it's all around mock draft season, especially at quarterback, um, yeah, it definitely causes me to arch an eyebrow. I won't be surprised at all if really, you know, McCarthy's more of a second or third round pick by the time we get to the draft. Again, I've done no other analysis. My only throw out here is how quickly at this time of year we see quarterbacks start climbing boards. It's just, I, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, there's a lot of football to watch on. I'm not saying everyone needs to be, you know, attuned with all the recruiting stuff and, you know, this guy's entire career, but this isn't, you know, the Stetson Bennett situation where some like walk on or three star guy just gets completely dragged by a team. We're talking about a former five star recruit who allegedly said he can run a 40 yard dash in the four, five, four, four second range, Dwayne. So still only 20 years old, I think. Like, yeah, let's go ahead and, you know, maybe chill out a little bit with that. But okay, moving along, guys, because again, there's just not too much at quarterback to even be too wishful of outside of Kirk Cousins. So, Dwayne, I want to talk about an organization who I'm not even going to be picky about what they're going to add to the offense but please anything New York Giants I'm talking to you anything in this offense right now because it's amazing I'm going through uh, the team needs right now for all 32 teams gonna have a nice eight article series out on this starting Monday of uh, next week so you can check that out for free on fancylife.com but like I got to the Giants Dwayne and they gave up I believe it was a league high 92 sacks last season and I honestly, I don't know. How many games did they even have, though, with their starting line? Like, their tackles were, well, like, dead half the year. No, and Andrew <laughs> Thomas is a beast. But that's my point. 
that happened, I don't know if I can put offensive line to top three team needs. I don't even think it's fair. If you look a little bit closer at these, my God, Tommy DeVito. Yes, fun time, celebrations on point, all that. Like fun, <laughs> fun couple of weeks there. Like the two worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year in terms of limiting sacks when they were under pressure were both Tommy DeVito and Daniel Jones. I mean, when we look at the best quarterbacks in that, it's Josh Allen, it's Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott's up there, Brock Purdy's up there. Like sacks really are far more of a quarterback stat than I think people are really going out there and necessarily, you know, portraying. And yes, I think for Daniel Jones's case, especially earlier in that season, that was a worse offensive line. I'm not trying to even put him as bad as DeVito at that. If you look at Jones's time to pressure, sure that was actually a lot lower than the veto but both these quarterbacks man don't want to see them as the two worst guys in that statistic and again once you just start looking around the offense Dwayne all right Saquon Barkley that did not go well last season just with in terms of trying to get the long-term deal I'd be surprised if he's back and you know we'll talk about his efficiency in a second but let's face it not exactly been playing the best football of his career if we had to go ahead and rank the top two wide receivers in any every NFL football team, I think Wandale Robinson and Jalen Hyatt probably uh, towards, you know, closer to 32 than one, going out on a limb and saying that, Dwayne. Darren Waller, I just want to apologize to each and every one of you for the nice things I said about him potentially uh, going into last season. Not falling forward again. He's a cut candidate. He hasn't played more than 12 games uh, in a season since 2020, and he turns 32 in September. What? Anything, Dwayne. We haven't even talked about the reality and the probability that Daniel Jones isn't the answer under center. I feel very bad for Brian DeBull, Giants fans, the whole nine yards. I don't know how this offense is going to move the football. We need an overhaul, and we need it fast. Yeah, I mean, look, the big issue here is you still need a quarterback. <laughs> so yeah. even if you go add the other, the other things, I think it's going to be a challenge. But obviously, like the easy thing, because getting a quarterback isn't easy, would be really looking at the wide receiver group, right? That is that that's definitely an issue. If you decide you want to keep Saquon Barkley, I don't know that it's the best move given where your franchise is, but it's not like Saquon's going to get a long-term contract anywhere. He's probably looking at a one to two year deal. So if the giants feel that's fine and they want to at least keep him there to keep butts in the seats, like I get it, but I mean, quarterback's the ultimate thing, but if you can't get to that, then I think you got to look, you know, at the wide receiver uh, room just because what you mentioned, you know, looking at Wandell Robinson and not to say Wandell can't be a nice slot wide receiver, but you don't want him to be your primary guy. And then Jalen Hyatt still really young, but he was more of that vertical threat. So it's not like they don't have a guy right now that I'm comfortable saying can just go out there, con consistently move the chains while also threatening the safeties, things like that. Now receivers like that don't grow on trees, but they got to do something, you know, at the receiver position. What was interesting about Daniel Jones last year, 20% of his pressures were owned. Um, which is pretty high. Yeah. Uh, the year before it was 15, year before eight, year before nine. So it's not a stat that necessarily is like sticky, like year over year. Like you got to really, there's like different variables and stuff that you have to isolate. So I will say this, like when I was watching some of those Giants games, like I know quarterbacks own like their pressures and their pressure to sack rate, but like there were just so many what looked like complete jailbreaks against like four man rushes. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I would stop to count like, oh, how many guys are blitzing? Oh, none. Like four. it's just four guys <laughs> coming after him and there's suddenly three. And like when that happens, there's nowhere to go. Like you can't evade like the first guy. It's like, yeah. okay, great. I, I step around the first guy. And then the second guy grabs my leg and the next guy breaks my neck. Like it, it was, it was a tough scene for the giants when I be, went back and I didn't watch every snap, but early on in the season, I was definitely watching because we basically, we had the tracker going for, you know, how many sacks, you know, are we going to have between Sam Howell and what was happening early with the giants, you know, who's would, would one of those two, you know, quarterbacks eventually break, you know, the sack record, obviously Sam Howell ended up leading the way, you know, because he was healthier for, for more of the season, but yeah, you got to get a wide receiver. The problem is like, what are you going to do in free agency? Like what T Higgins, like T Higgins, Michael Pittman, 
and those guys could end up getting franchise tagged. Um, Mike Evans, well, Mike Evans doesn't make a lot of sense for the Giants with where they are, like in their journey. You know, I mean, they're they're multiple pieces away. So I do wonder, like, if Higgins or Pittman are available, like I would definitely be going after that. But then from a fantasy perspective, how excited are we going to be if it's Daniel Jones under center? Matthew Freeman's latest and first edition of his mock draft is over on fantasylife.com. He has the Giants taking stud LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors with the number six overall pick in the first round. Sign me up for that, Dwayne. Again, I hear you. I don't think it's a great spot for Mike Evans or anything either. I, I, if I was one of those wide receivers, I would not advise them to go into this offense because, again, we do still need to fix that quarterback problem. But it's one of these things where – and the Bears had this before they kind of added DJ Moore. And like We see this with a lot of teams. Like the first year, their rookie quarterback sucks, and then they go out and trade for the number one wide receiver to give them you know, the better chance of success. But you end up wasting a year or multiple years not knowing if it's the quarterback or if it's the lack of weapons. Because, I mean, here have been – Every single Giants wide receiver to run at least one route over the past three seasons. Darius Slayton, Wandale Robinson, Sterling Shepard, Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Jalen Hyatt, Paris Campbell, David Sills, Colin Johnson, my guy, John Ross, Dante Pettis, Marcus Johnson, also my guy, CJ Board, Farrell Cooper, Gunnar Olswenski, and Alex Bachman. Yeah, Dwayne, look, Sterling Shepard, when he wasn't having, you know, a devastating season-ending injury, like he's done some good stuff. I'm not trying to shit on Wandale Robinson. Even Darius Slayton's a little bit underrated. But, like, you prefer if these guys are your number three wide receiver at best on any other team yeah. in the NFL. So, again, probably haven't just seen enough from Daniel Jones at this point. Like, the best part of his game has been rushing. That actually cratered to a career-low mark uh, last year. Small sample size, and they had to face the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Dolphins. Like, they did have some tough matchups when Jones yeah. was under center. But, my God, man, I don't want you ranking 44th among 48 quarterbacks in anything, <laughs> especially not EPA per drop back. And, you know, when we do go back and go, well, what about, you know, 2022? Yeah, fun game against the Vikings. Couldn't throw for more than 15 touchdown passes in the year 2022, Dwayne. So, I, sorry, Giants fans. I hope you guys can get anything going because right now, not expecting this offense to be exactly lighting up many scoreboards in the year 2024. Let's stay in the NFC East, Dwayne. Talk about a team that might be in need of some running back help. That's right. It is your Dallas Cowboys. Tony Pollard, unrestricted free agent coming off the franchise tag. Certainly didn't you know play well enough last year to get tagged a second time. Also got to keep in mind Rico Dowdle, an unrestricted free agent as well. What would you like to see the Cowboys do to replace, you know, a running back position or just upgrade running back position that did leave a lot to be desired for large stretches of last year? Yeah, so I think there's two answers to this. And really for this show, like I'm going fantasy angle, right? What do we want to see as fantasy managers? From an NFL standpoint, though, real quick, like I do think the Cowboys will want to sign someone to really create more of a timeshare. But if I'm a, if I'm thinking about it from a fantasy angle, like I just want Pollard to stay in Dallas. I don't think he's going to be that expensive. And the biggest reason for that is, um, you know, over this last week, and you guys can go check it out over on fantasylife.com for free. I just put out my free agency article around the running back position. Wide receivers will be coming out next. But looking at the signal, right, for the things that matter most for running backs when scoring fantasy points and then how sticky they are year over year, well, it really comes down to rushing attempts per game or rush share. It comes down to route participation or routes per game, and then it comes down to, tar to targets. I know that sounds really boring, but those are the things, guys, that hold up year after year and it's not, it's not just from a standpoint of we know they relate to fantasy points. They're actually the stickiest stats year over year as well. And that's even after I like normalized for, for rushing attempts and things like that. Certain things do pick up more signal like in the efficiency department. But where I'm going with this is 
the, the running backs that change teams, I also group them out versus, hey, they changed team versus they stayed with the same team. Those things, you lose a big part of your signal whenever you change teams. So a lot of times we think, oh my God, it'd be nice to see this guy go here, or go there, or go, go over here. And I will say landing spot still really matters. Like we would have to work out and work through any place that he landed. But the best case is honestly, Tony Pollard staying for the Cowboys and them yeah. not signing a big name. And here's the other thing. Efficiency is just highly variable. And I know last year, that's what people talk about with Pollard. They're like, oh my God, he came out and he tanked. And I get it. He did. We talked about it multiple times on our show. The explosive runs were not there. Yards after contact went down. And then everybody started arguing. Okay, was it because he had the tightrope surgery? Was it because he had more rushing attempts? I think you can argue that both ways, right? I think if you think it was the workload, well, then why did he suck early in the year? Well, if you think that it's the, you know, was, was the injury, well, then why did he still, was he not necessarily that much better late in the year? He got a little yeah. bit better. Or I think there's the third option, Ian, which is this shit's just really random <laughs> and it just works out that way sometimes, you know? And so when you look at it that way and you're like, okay, staying there is a good thing. We know efficiency can be really random. And oh, by the way, guys, if you take the yards per carry and the yards per reception that Tony Pollard didn't get versus expected, you know how many fantasy points it comes out to that you missed out on? 6.2. No, not 62, 6.2. That's it. It didn't even matter. What killed Tony Pollard last year was he had all the opportunities to score those touchdowns, Ian, and he didn't. He came up 7.9 under his expected number. 2.9 were in the receiving game, and then the others all came in the rushing department. So when you look at that, I mean, if, if Pollard just gets the touchdowns, he ends up scoring one point less than his ADP of, of running back seven, and everybody's not freaking out about this. So for me, I'd like to see Pollard get another chance in Dallas. I think there's a really good chance that it was just kind of a fluky, weird down year. Will the Cowboys do that, though? I don't know, because I'm sure they're thinking that they could very well be thinking, well, Pollard can't handle the workload. Because I know how coaches start to, they're just like us. They start trying to piece things together. Sometimes we uh, connect dots on things that aren't there. And whether it's right or wrong doesn't matter. All that matters is what are they thinking? And then what does that mean they do for their roster? So I'll leave that one out there for you. But I'm hoping the Cowboys give him another shot and they don't they don't draft anyone early and they don't bring in a big name to compete with him. And then I'll be happy to draft Tony Pollard again at a, at a cheaper price this next season. I mean, I, was, I thought he was going to be the workhorse last year and he was. He had 307 touches. Man, six most in the NFL. We would have been drafting him as a top five pick if you told us before the year, hey, Pollard, he's going to play every game. He's going to have 300-plus touches, Dwayne. We've been picking him as a top five pick. It just yeah. didn't quite work out. So, again, I, I do want to clarify one thing. You said he got a little bit better after week 11. I've seen the stat floating around. Yes, he was PFF's highest-graded running back from week 11 on through the rest of the season. I agree with that, too. In, okay, I agree he looked better. I do not think he was the best running back in football over the final couple months of the season. But, guys, I mean, this is, again, I'm not – I use a lot of PFF grades, all right? It's a nice piece of the puzzle. While look at his yards per carry. Weeks 1 through 10, it was 4. Weeks 11 and on, still four. Yards after contact per carry went up 0.1. Explosive run play rate went from 8% to 9%. Like these numbers, Dwayne, were still pretty mediocre. He went from really bad to average in terms of most of the other statistics we're using to measure RB performance. I mean, you look at 2022, we're talking about 5.2 yards per carry, third highest mark among all running backs. Number one in yards after contact per carry, second explosive run play rate. I mean, you were saying before how oftentimes we can see yards after contact and missed tackles forced be a little bit more predictable 
predictive over yards per carry when it does come. We know it's a substantial uh, just overall volume amount in carries. And Pollard, I mean, other than like Nick Chubb and like a little bit Josh Jacobs, really was the class of the league in these two metrics uh, before 2023. So I'm with you. I don't think we can blame the workload because if anything, he got a little bit better in week 11 and on when he said he was feeling healthier. So yes, we can all do a better job of trying to, you know, analyze these injuries and stuff. But again, not to shut any of the medical doctors, Dwayne, but this is an injury that like we see guys come back from the tightrope procedure in the course of a season. It wasn't supposed to be something that he was going to actively be battling going into 2023. So yes, best thing for Tony Pollard for sure, for his own, you know, fantasy aspirations is to stay in that. Dallas, but I would be shocked at this point if the Cowboys do not add at least a thunder compliment. Not saying it has to be a reunion with Ezekiel Elliott, but at this point in time, there has been a problem with Pollard's ability to score touchdowns close to the goal line. And I know you guys are immediately thinking about that run against the Dolphins where it seemed like, my God, how can he not find the end zone? And honestly, at this point, it's hard to say that that hasn't been the story of his career. If we look back at the last three years, there's been 53 running backs with at least 10 carries inside the five-yard line. And Pollard has the fourth worst touchdown rate of that entire sample. So again, this by nature inside the five-yard line is a bit of a small sample size. But looking at Pollard, when he was at his best as a lightning, you know, part of a two-headed committee, I do think we are going to see Pollard more times than not here moving forward as, you know, maybe the 1A, but definitely a part of a two-back committee, whether or not he does stay in Dallas. So guys, before we continue on going, I want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Hey, hoops enthusiasts, it's that time of year. The NBA season is in full swing and my Cavaliers are on fire. From buzzer beaters to jaw dropping dunks, this season is on fire and we partnered up with DraftKings to get you right in on the action. Discover the excitement of real-time betting by downloading the DraftKings app now and note that new customers can earn up to $2,500 in your first 72 hours. All you got to do, guys, is deposit a minimum of $500 and you earn a $500 bonus bet back for every $1,000 bet on DraftKings Sportsbook. Bets must settle within 72 hours of opting in, but again, guys, sign up using our promo code QUESTIONS. The crown is yours. And while we're you know, talking about betting, can't say enough good things about the fantasy life or i should say betting life newsletter yes we're continuing to pump out our goodness with the fantasy stuff going on but matthew friedman you know jeff orrich matt lamarca doing fantastic stuff with betting life and if you guys are anything like me you know once football's over i still want to you know scratch that gambling itch here from time to time but i feel a lot better about it when i'm not just completely firing you know just whatever blanks you know going into pause for a second but yeah the uh the DraftKings app I, i suck at gambling on other sports you know i'm not even that good at football Okay, but when I read betting life, all of a sudden I feel like I have an educated opinion on uh, being able to go into it. So, and you know, if I lose my money, at least then I can also blame someone else for that. So, great stuff over there, and also great stuff, guys, from another one of our sponsors, the fine friends over at Control Eating Junk Food, guys. It's like drafting a kicker for your fantasy team. I don't recommend it and you'll feel terrible afterward. So instead of eating food that makes you feel bad inside, inside and out, try control. Control is healthier food that actually tastes good. I can confirm this. They sent me some actually pretty nice post-workout protein foods. Absolutely love their cookie, guys. Usually I just pound a protein shake. It's fine. You can drink it fast. It is what it is. But actually having like a full chocolate chip cookie to devour that tastes good after you're done working out to try to make some freaking games. Fantastic stuff from our friends over at Control. So they seriously offer the best tasting shakes, bars, and cookies in the game with all sorts of amazing flavors. Again, chocolate is my preference, but they got strawberry, vanilla, 
the whole nine yards over here at Control. All the flavor options are worthy of the 101 pick, fortunately for you. With Control's Bundle Builder, you don't even have to choose just one flavor. As you bundle up and add more products, you will unlock a bigger discount up to 20% off. We've even provided you an extra 10% off using code LIFE that stacks on top of the bundle discount. So again, shout out to our friends over at Control. Use that 10% code LIFE and get an extra, you know, bit of money back in your pocket. Guys, Dwayne had to run all good, but I'm going to finish things out here just with your boy. A few other notes I want to just bring up because, again, going through a lot of these team needs pieces, I have found that there are some position groups lacking in terms of just free agents and also just in terms of teams not really paying enough attention to that group as they should. So first off, I won't want to say let's get the Bears another wide receiver and see what happens here. Yes, DJ Moore, stud. Ended up being ESPN's fourth highest rated wide receiver all last season. Fresh off a career high in yards. And let's face it, I don't even think we're all sold on Justin Fields yet, but my man's found a way to free DJ Moore after we've been asking for that for literally, guys, a half decade in fantasy land. So this is not an indictment on DJ Moore at all. But when you do look at the Bears, I mean, we got Darnell Mooney, Equinemius St. Brown, and Trent Taylor all, you know, and entering free agency as unrestricted free agents. So Vilas Jones, you know, I think unironically is turning 27 soon, which is just, you know, the joke that never gets old. <laughs> See what I did there. Vilas Jones already mentioned him. Also Tyler Scott, I thought was fine as a rookie, like flashed a little bit, but guys, let's not go into 2024 with Tyler freaking Scott as our number two wide receiver. So looking at the bears overall, I mean, let's go ahead and sign someone like a T Higgins, like a Mike Evans at this point, make the most out of this upcoming rookie quarterback contract. They're seemingly going to embrace with Caleb Williams because as much as I wouldn't mind seeing Roma Dunzier or Brian Thomas or, you know, whatever you want to say, one of these good wide receivers with one of their other uh, top 100 picks, this has just been one of the worst franchises at drafting wide receivers for the better part of the past decade. I think the Patriots are right there. The Browns have been pretty horrendous too outside of the, you know, Josh Gordon supplemental pick, but Bears might be the worst guys. Since 2013, they had drafted 10 wide receivers. Kevin White was the only round one option. Anthony Miller in round two. God, still think he has a chance. Probably not, but you could imagine. Round three, they got Vilas Jones. Round four, Tyler Scott, Riley Ridley. Darno Mooney in round five is probably like their best. He had a thousand yard season. Round five, nice hit on Darno Mooney. Wish he hadn't dropped that Hail Mary, but you know, overall, nice hit. Round six, Daz Newsome. And then round seven, guys, Javon Wims, Daniel Braverman, and Marquise Wilson. So really just one whiff after another at wide receiver. Let's again take advantage of this rookie co contract you're about to be going back into. Get a T. Higgins, get a Mike Evans. I think we'll see that offense boosted up in a hurry. Speaking of offenses that could invest a little bit more at wide receiver, how about the Bills, guys? Matthew Friedman's mock draft mentioned it. Go read it. Great stuff. Has them taking LSU wide receiver Brian Thomas in the back half of the first round, and for good reason. The Bills joined the Buccaneers, who have had Mike Evans and freaking Chris Goblin, so haven't exactly needed wide receivers, but those are the only two teams that have not used a single day one or day two pick on a wide receiver in the last five years. So I'm not sitting here crying that Josh Allen needs more weapons, but guys, you know, it's legal to have more than one really good wide receiver at this point so in 2020 they had Stefan Diggs and they had you know growing older versions of John Brown and Cole Beasley that were still you know good at that point but now entering you know we are in the year 2024 after all obviously those guys are out of the picture and that last half of 2023 told us anything about Stefan Diggs is that the end or at least a lesser version of him could be uh, more prominent on the field here in 2024 and beyond so the Kincaid pick worked out you know i 
think so. Looks like a really good secondary option on this football team. But yeah, let's go ahead and actually use some real investments at the wide receiver spot. Excuse me specifically in the draft because when we actually then again go into it not much cap room here guys they've got the josh allen deal you know they've been paying plenty of money on defense as well and again you just actually go ahead and look at the cap room and they have you know less than almost anyone out there overall guys effective cap space courtesy of over the cap minus 54 and a half million 29th in the nfl so they got the 28th pick in the first round the 60th pick in the second round and then they don't pick again until pick 128 in round four so even if it's not brian thomas and you know at the end of the first round i do think using that second round pick at the end on a wide receiver makes a lot of sense given how deep the position is this year and again given the fact that the bills might be going into next year with khalil shakur as as their number two behind only Stefan Diggs if Diggs is back at all so maybe they do re-sign Gabe Davis but the way things are trending with that guys honestly wouldn't be surprised if we see Gabe fetch a lot more money than I think the fantasy community believes he is going to get so Say what you will about Gabe Davis. I know Bills fans, you know, defend the run blocking and he has saved, you know, some of his best performances for the biggest games. Obviously, playoff Gabe doing his thing over the years. So when you are a boomer bus wide receiver, guess what? There are booms to go along with those busts. I'm not completely hating on the guy, but when you see, you know, Ian Rappaport in, what was it, December or January, calling him one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL and someone who's going to have a lot of attention come free agency. And then we get another report from uh, the ESPN Insider piece. I forget the guys who are involved with it. But they were saying Gabe Davis, along with some defenders that are free agents for the Bills, these are players who could actually have a bigger market than expected. And when, again, you have so little cap room, I just don't think the Bills are going to have an opportunity to really fill up their wide receiver room through free agency. Got to go ahead and attack that in draft so again bills and bears those are the two other situations that i really wanted to highlight as needing other wide receivers because haven't exactly done a great job you know keeping that cupboard uh stacked up over the years so Final points, I guess, would just be, let's see what happens with these running backs, guys. Some true big names out there. We already talked about, you know, Derrick Henry for a little bit before and Tony Pollard, but Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler. Yeah, didn't look good towards the end of last season. But remember, my man's was playing through a little bit of pain there. Cordero Patterson, of course. Maybe J.K. Dobbins can come back from this Achilles injury and give us something. DeAndre Swift, Boston Scott, Rashad Penny, the Eagles could have a makeover. Or maybe they decide to have Kenneth Gainwell keep on keeping on my dream is for antonio gibson to go to the uh, los angeles chargers and actually take on that eckler role albeit now with you know jim harbaugh in charge there is a decent chance we're not going to see quite as many passes overall particularly to the running back so Again, a lot of different options. I'm sure plenty of these teams will simply look towards the draft. But if there has been, you know, just general feelers going out about the draft this year, it does seem to be at the running back position is pretty weak. So it seems like Jonathan Brooks out of Texas, probably the RB1 in most people's minds. But coming off a knee injury, I mean, I got to Blake Corum, who obviously has, you know, some pretty low level efficiency numbers, especially as a senior. But hey, he was coming back from a pretty major injury in his own right as well. So I do wonder if maybe these free agent running backs could have a bit more interest in we've seen in past years because of the idea that this draft class is not as deep at the position but then again you know we will see what happens there but a lot of potential fun matchmaking of course with these running backs a lot of teams that are going to need help as well texans and vikings they hardly have anyone there right now we can truly rely on even the packers like aaron jones should be back and everything but aj dylan patrick taylor these guys should finally be out of the picture as well so maybe we finally get a fully featured workload for aaron jones maybe aj dylan comes back and ruins our hopes and dreams 
streams once again. Only one way to find out, and that is to stay tuned throughout the rest of the offseason, which we will continue to do here over at Fantasy Live. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. We as a company are getting the week off here, so not going to have any new podcasts again for just about a week. But Still going to have a few newsletters going out. And again, check out fantasylife.com for my team needs series. Going to be having one out for each and every division. I told myself I was going to make them closer to a thousand words each, but turns out I had some shit to say, guys. So we got about 2,500 words per team. You know, not, not per team, my God, that would be crazy. Per division going on here. Put a lot of hard work into it. And just personally, like over the years, when I've been able to take this time post Super Bowl, go through every roster, see who the free agents are, see, you know, what teams performing best and worst in different category seeing where the money's going this process before free agency gets going really helps me feel like i have you know just my best overall grasp of the league and then accordingly makes everything from that point on that much easier so again guys thank you for tuning in for Dwayne, for producer james i'm ian thanks again for tuning in to fantasy live podcast and until next time take care everybody